Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, today I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in China with the Early Reign Covenant Church, persecution of the church in China, as well as persecution of the church around the globe, and how that's a little bit different for us here in the West. We aren't really enduring persecution like so many believers are around the world, wondering really why that is, and if you and I honestly will be ready for persecution should that come to us here in the West. So starting off first with what's going on in China, you might know that in last month, December 2019, Pastor Wang Yi, the pastor of Early Reign Covenant Church in China, was found guilty of subversion of state power and illegal business operations. It was a secret hearing in which he was found guilty of those things. He was sentenced then to nine years in prison, $7,200 of his personal assets were confiscated, and his political rights were removed. Now, Pastor Wang Yi was taken into custody a whole year prior, December 2018, along with about 100 members of his church, as well as his wife, when Chinese police entered their worship service as part of a major crackdown on churches in China and hauled them all away to jail as they evaluated these charges that were pressed against them. Most of the prisoners were freed over the year, including his wife, but Pastor Yi remained in custody. The Early Reign Church, of course, maintains that Yi and their whole faith family are innocent of any wrongdoing. Well, the church has not registered with the Communist Party-led Three Self-Patriotic Movement, which is required by law in China. Of course, they're resistant to register their church with that Communist Party-led movement because they don't want to be surveilled by the Chinese government. They don't want to put themselves in a position of giving more information to and submitting to a corrupt and anti-Christian government. In addition, the Early Reign Christian Church has sought to minister openly. In other words, they don't really hide what they do. They don't really hide what they believe. They minister openly. Their hope is that they might be able to build the courage and just strengthen the church across China, sort of lead by example and say, hey, this is who we are as Christians. This is what the Bible says. Here's where it's in conflict with policy in China, and this is what we're going to do boldly in the name of Christ to strengthen the church around us. They've partnered with many other churches um, in their in their area to start a seminary, to to start a Christian school, to start a college and a presbytery. They also openly, without hiding themselves, they openly help legal petitioners, families of political prisoners, the unborn, and women in crisis pregnancies. Pastor Yi over the years has been outspoken against the Communist Party. He has been outspoken also in his grief and remembrance of the Tiananmen Square Massacre in 1989. He's been outspoken against the country's abortion practices, and he's also been very critical of President Xi's totalitarian rule that is just increasing. Well, because of the open ministry and the critical voice that Pastor Yi and the early reign leaders have had, they have been expecting a crackdown from the Chinese government. They've just expected that persecution is probably going to come, and they were ready when this crackdown happened. In preparation, Pastor Yi wrote a letter entitled, My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. So he wrote this letter that could be read on his behalf, expecting to be taken into custody. Well, here's just a couple quotes from that letter. Again, I'm quoting Pastor Yi. This is what he said, "'Separate me from my wife and children,' ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. I firmly believe that Christ has called me to carry out this faithful disobedience through a life of service under this regime that opposes the gospel and persecutes the church. This is the means by which I preach the gospel, and it is the mystery of the gospel which I preach." 
So experts say that the Communist Party probably feels threatened by the growing Christian church in China. Listen to this. There are currently about 116 million Christians in mainland China alone, compared to only 90 million Communist Party members. So that's a huge disparity. And Chinese citizens are increasingly turning to the Bible and even to Protestant Christianity for their hope and for their identity. The Communist Party, of course, wants to exert more control and influence and not have the church exerting that control and influence. So Pastor Yi and the Early Rain Church are only part of a much larger effort on behalf of the Chinese um, police and government to intimidate not only Christians, but Muslims and Tibetan Buddhists as well. You might remember that back on episode 17 of All Things, I talked about what some other things going on in China, like organ harvesting in um, prisons, disappearing mosques, mosques little, literally being wiped out from the landscape, and Muslims being required to enter re-education camps. So a lot of disturbing stuff going on. Well, persecution is not only happening in China, of course, it's happening around the world. For example, we've seen some really heartbreaking stories come out of Nigeria. Recently, Pastor Lawan Andimi in Nigeria was kidnapped by Boko Haram in early January of this year, so just a few weeks ago. He was videotaped by the Islamic militants after his kidnapping, and he said in the video that he was not discouraged because, and this is, I'm quoting him, he said in the video, all conditions that one finds himself is in the hand of God. He went on to say, by the grace of God, I will be together with my wife and my children and all my colleagues. If the opportunity has not been granted, maybe it is the will of God. So we see him just like Pastor Yi, really entrusting himself to the Lord's care, trusting in God's sovereignty and not renouncing his faith, but digging in and saying, I am loyal to Jesus, my God and my Savior. Whatever happens, it is the will of God. Well, his captors demanded 2 million euros in exchange for his release. Of course, he comes from a poor community, a poor church. The church did raise 5,000 euros, but of course, that's nowhere near the 2 million euros that were demanded. And horrifically, the pastor was beheaded by Boko Haram last Monday. And this is really only one of several Christian murders that we've seen recently happen in Nigeria, all committed at the hands of Boko Haram. 11 Christians were killed on Christmas Day. And of course, beyond Nigeria, maybe you remember Easter in Sri Lanka when 500 Christians were injured and 250 were killed during Easter services there. So really, it's a global issue. It's happening all over the place. Well, you've heard me talk about before Open Doors USA, which is a nonprofit organization in the United States that's really kind of a watchdog for Christian persecution around the world. So I just want to give you some statistics from them to give you a global picture of persecution around the whole world. Religious freedom really has been globally protected since after World War II by the United Nations since 1948. But even so, with that human right, with that protection, 245 million Christians currently are experiencing high levels of persecution for their faith. In the last year, for which global reporting is complete, listen to these numbers, please. 4,305 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. So over 4,000 of our brothers and sisters around the world were killed for their faith. Over 3,000, 3,150 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. And 1,847 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. Of course, that's very discouraging, and the reality is that persecution is rising. 11 countries currently score an extreme level on the Open Doors World Watch list for their persecution, whereas only five years ago, there was only one country who had that score. So there's 11 now, there used to be one, and that one was North Korea. Incidentally, for 18 years, North Korea has been ranked the world's most dangerous place to be a Christian. 
According to Open Doors, here are the top five current trends in persecution. Here's what they're seeing. So what they're seeing grow around the world. One is, the first is the shocking reality of persecution against women. This is something that is hard and complex to really get accurate data on because in many places, women experience a double persecution, one for being Christian and one for being a woman. It's violent and it's hidden and it's hard to really know what's happening to women who are Christians around the world. The second trend is Islamic oppression continuing to impact millions of Christians. So in seven out of the top 10 World Watch countries, World Watch list countries, the primary cause of persecution is Islamic oppression. So Christians, especially those who are born into Muslim families and then they convert to Christianity, they suffer very painful consequences. Everything from being disowned or even killed by their family, they lose jobs, they lose status in the community. So that's Islamic oppression. Number three, in the world's two most populated countries... That would be China and India. Both of those countries are at the near the top of the world watch list. So in China and India, persecution is increasing, and these are the world's most populated countries. In each country, there is a billion people. So those trends are distressing. Hindu nationalists in India continue to attack Christians, and of course, I've already said what's going on in China. Fourth trend, the spread of Islam across sub-Saharan Africa. So ISIS and other Islamic militants have lost a lot of land and strength in the Middle East, but they've dispersed to a larger number of countries, increasingly in sub-Saharan Africa. So they've inspired and they've infiltrated other Islamic militant groups, and it's becoming very deadly. Um, For example, one such group is the Islamic State in the West Africa province. It's a deadly group that broke away from Nigeria's Boko Haram, and they also enslave Christian women and girls as part of their integral, an integral part of their strategy. The last trend I'm going to mention right now, the fifth trend, there are more laws being added to control religion in various countries. So state authoritarianism is increasing and governments are increasingly using things like facial recognition, electronic chips, other means to crack down on Christian growth in their countries. So places like Vietnam, Myanmar, China, North Korea, all these governments are increasing in their authority and they're imposing stricter state control on religious rights in their countries. So what we're seeing in China and what we're seeing around the world is really hard for us in the West to fathom, isn't it? I mean, you think about Pastor Yi holding a worship service and police coming in and taking him and so many of his church into into custody. Can you imagine that happening in your church on a Sunday morning? You're sitting in the pew and in come the police and they detain you and take you in to the police station. I mean, I feel like here in the United States, seriously, we're, we're, we're worried about things like if our church has a coffee bar and if our chairs are comfortable. And if there's a youth group that offers the exact right program for my kid, and if there's a children's ministry that my child likes, and do we like the worship music, the style of the worship music, the volume of the worship music? I mean, we these are the things that we are seriously worried about in most of our American churches. We're not going to church with fear of being kidnapped, with fear of going to prison, with fear of being imprisoned for the next nine years, which is the reality of our brother Yi in China. But our experience, friends, here in the United States, as normal as it feels like to us, it is not typical. It's not the typical experience of our brothers and sisters around the globe. I think we're kind of numb to what they're going through because we don't go through that each each Sunday. We don't go through that every day. We're not suffering persecution at the hands of our friends and family and colleagues and coworkers. We're not in fear. But their experience is normal. Our experience is abnormal. Maybe you read a book that came out a few years ago called The Insanity of God. It's written by Nick Ripkin, who is a missionary and also an author. Well, according to Nick Ripkin, 
approximately 70% of Christians around the world practice their faith in context of persecution. Okay. So that's most Christians, 70% of Christians around the world practice their faith in context of persecution. At the same time, Ripken says 90% of Christians in the U S or in the West will never share the gospel with another person. So did you catch that disparity? 70% of Christians around the world suffer for their faith. 90% of Christians in the West never, will never share the gospel with another person. So this is a huge disparity. And I don't even know how we can mentally reconcile that both of these groups are members of the same body of Christ. For 70% of us around the world, our faith is so important, so treasured that they're willing to lose their comfort, their security, their safety. And yet for 90% of us here in the United States, our faith is so not precious to us. Our security, our comfort is more precious to us such that we aren't even willing to share the gospel with another person. While our brothers and sisters sisters in China and around the world willingly experience fiery trials for their faith. We in the U.S. sort of keep our faith under wraps. So how do we reconcile these things? What should we do? I want to take us to scripture. I want to take us to 1 Peter 4. What should we in the West make of Peter's exhortation? This is, I'm going to read a few verses to you really quick. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 19. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If anyone suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful create their faithful creator while doing good. Okay, that was most of those verses. Well, here are four things that I just I'm really, I mean five things that I'm really pondering as I think about what Peter says to us here in the West. First, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. So in other words, you and I should be expecting a fiery trial. The implication of these verses is that if we're behaving like Christians, fiery trials will come. I think in the US, we're seeing just very small evidences of some persecution on the horizon. You know, At this point, it's mostly limited to Christian businesses losing customers, or maybe Christians losing some status or relationships. In most cases, definitely not all. Some Christians in the West have suffered some significant loss, but in most cases, the losses are pretty minimal. So according to Peter, we should stand expectant. We should be ready and waiting. Um, I think that as our sort of favor in um, political and cultural life, as as the political and cultural trends move away from a biblical foundation, our majority in culture is going to slip. And according to Peter, we've got to be ready for that majority to sort of give way to persecution. But are we ready is the question I want to wrestle with. Okay, number two from these verses, Peter says suffering should cause us to rejoice, that it's going to reveal God's glory. In other words, Peter's saying to suffer as Christ did is a privilege. And Pastor Yi, I just love what he said. He said, I firmly believe that Christ has called me to carry out this faithful disobedience. This is the means by which I preach the gospel. Pastor Yi sees his faithful disobedience as a means of preaching the gospel. And so I think of James, the book of James, where he says, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness, you know, helps you to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing that if we should suffer, we should rejoice. 
Third thing from those verses, being insulted, Peter says, for Christ's sake is a blessing because God is with us. You know, I think of the Psalm, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And truly you've experienced this before. And so have I. God rests upon us in a unique way when we are under trial. So let's not avoid suffering. Let's not run away from suffering. Let's perhaps welcome it or enter situations where it might come to pass. And in chapter five, Peter says that when we suffer, God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. So we, there's a blessing that we miss out on if we don't suffer for Christ's sake. Fourth takeaway, suffering for Christ's sake is not shameful, but it's hopeful. For generations, we American Christians have been so quick to equate material blessings with the favor of God, right? We think, well, things are going well for us. I've got this house. I've got my health. I've got this marriage. Things are going well. So subconsciously, I think we believe I must be doing well as a Christian. These are blessings. These are sort of God paying me back for being a good Christian. But that, friends, is totally contrary to scripture. I think we avoid suffering because we see we see the good times, we see ease and comfort as a blessing, but really suffering is the blessing. Paul says, rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So suffering for Christ is not shameful. Suffering for Christ is hopeful. That was Romans chapter five. Okay. Lastly, if we suffer, we must entrust our souls to God and do good. I mean, I think this is what Pastor Yee just exemplifies so beautifully. He must have asked himself so many times, where is my hope? In what am I putting my hope? And he said in that statement that he prepared, I'm not putting my hope in my wife or my children or my reputation or my life or my family. I'm putting my hope in Jesus who alone can raise me from the dead. So Pastor Yee was just entrusting himself to God as he continued to do good. He wasn't entrusting himself to the hope of not being um, imprisoned, to the hope of not being taken in. His hope is that God is going to use this to preach the gospel through me. So friends, we've got to confirm in our hearts right now before the fiery trial comes that God is good and God is on his throne as Pastor Yee and that pastor in Nigeria have so beautifully exemplified. God is on his throne. Nothing can separate me from his love and I will happily endure suffering so that I might preach Christ with that example. Right now, the persecution that's endured by Christians around the globe is almost too much for us to imagine. But I do think it's possible, maybe even probable, that we are moving toward a day soon when a crackdown will take place maybe in our own churches too. So Western society is just moving further and further away from biblical standards, and I think we're going to increasingly stick out. But you guys, I think this is good news. We will be an increasingly bright light in an increasingly dark world. We're going to stick out, and I think that's a good thing, but because people are going to see the hope of the gospel. They're going to see the glory of God in us. And I think it's going to be attractive. So how can we get ready for persecution? If it's maybe probably coming, how can you and I get ready? Well, I think first we need to stay aware of persecution that's happening around the world. It's we normalize safety and comfort, but actually persecution is what is normal for the Christian around the world and throughout history. So let's stay aware of it. Let's be going to websites like Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs and just World Magazine, just reading the news about Christians who are persecuted around the world so we can remember that's normal. What I'm experiencing is not. We need to be praying for them. Scripture admonishes us to be praying for them. We need to be keeping persecuted Christians close to our heart. We can financially be supporting missions and ministries that serve the persecuted church. 
You and I need to be going deep into the word of God. We just need to know what the Bible says. We need to be embracing it. We need to be asking God to be conforming us to transforming our minds so that we are loyal to scripture and know and have it stored up in our hearts for that day when it comes. And I would say, friends, let's not avoid difficulty now. Let's embrace difficulty now. It might look like helping more at church, serving at church, staying for two services. It might look like going out of your way to serve a neighbor, maybe going across town to serve someone who's disenfranchised. But let's not be stuck in the rut of seeking comfort and ease and seeking a life of of things that serve us. Let's be seeking opportunities to lay down our lives for others and grow that muscle, grow that willingness to serve others. The question I want to ask you and me is where is our hope? Is it in our safety? Is it in our reputation? Is it in our family? Or is it in the risen Jesus? And are we ready to endure fiery trials or will we avoid them at all costs? Peter admonishes us to be ready. Pastor Yi in China and the pastor in Nigeria given us an amazing example. Let's follow in their footsteps and be ready to preach the gospel, even if it means faithful disobedience and persecution. I think in doing so, you and I will be blessed and we will bring glory to our God. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.